Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive and the world I'm turning inside out. I'm floating around in ecstasy. So don't stop. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm uh, Matt Emanuel. We are currently in episode 2 of what we're calling our Halloween Horror Month. It's episode 124 of the podcast. As I said off the top, we're talking about uh, a movie that I really, really, really enjoy. I actually ranked it as my favorite horror movie all the way back in episode 31 of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. That's two years ago now. Long time. Uh, we're talking about Shaun of the Dead today. Uh, Manny, are you as excited as I am? Totally excited. This uh, was also in your top 20 of all time list. Yeah, slotted in neatly at number 15. Uh, I, needless to say, have loved this movie for a long time and have been looking for an excuse to talk about it more in depth than we did uh, back in the day. I actually just watched this one uh, while I was out of work for a few months uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, so it's nice and fresh in my mind, and of course just watched it again recently. So we're excited to get it going. Uh, so we we talked about Lost Boys last week, Shaun of the Dead this week. We got another fun one next week, which I won't spoil right away what it is. But after that, we actually are going to be doing our annual Halloween fan requested episode uh, yet again. We've put out the nominees, or I guess put out the feelers, put out the bat signal, as it were, Manny. No, uh, we... we... For... Oh, sorry. No, you're you're right. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just like, yeah. we, we got the nominations and we've actually whittled it down to the final four. Yeah, I was just trying to give the people a peek behind the curtain to, oh. uh, to know the process. But we, we gathered up all the nominees uh, from a variety of different people and different sources and social media. Uh, thanks to those of you who submitted your requests. By the time you're hearing me say these words, we'll have actually already taken a vote, taken a fan vote, yep. uh, and have decided upon what movie we are going to be talking about in the last week of October. As we're, as I am saying these words, we do not know what this movie is. But That's if true. you want if you want to know what's been selected, uh, you should be able to go on our social media now and uh, see what we'll be talking about uh, for our Halloween fan request episode. Manny, uh, if they do want to find us on social media, he says as he segues nicely. Uh, where, where would they be able to do that, perchance? Well, they can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. They can find us on Facebook at the Samuel Manny Movie Podcast. Email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get them. If you got them, you're probably listening to us on them. But if you're jumping over... And listening to us on some other type of podcast provider, because the one that you prefer does not carry us, shoot me a message and I will try my best to rectify that situation. Or if you're just some rando on Spotify who had us note, had us like recommended in your feed, you're like, hey, I wonder what these guys are about. Give us a follow. I promise we're amazing. Yes. I, I would say you probably won't be disappointed, but you almost certainly will. But just, just help us out. So true. Sam, the one thing we actually forgot to mention on this episode is we actually didn't even reveal what the four nominees were. Oh, do we want to go do that real quick? Might as well. They're going to know the answer anyways. 
eh, why not? We, we can talk about it. All right. I got it. Cool. Go for it. The for four it. nominees for the annual Halloween fan-requested episode are The Grudge, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Nosferatu, and The People Under the Stairs. That was so dramatic the way you paused between each one. I know. We, I... Tru- we truly are in spooky season, Manny. That yeah. was so scary. I know. I was pretty scared. It was just missing a muahaha between each one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I like that a lot. Thanks. That was, that was quality. <laughs> uh, Manny, uh, we've both kind of been busy guys this week. Haven't really gotten up to too much as far as the watching is concerned. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, sadly. Uh, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say sadly. I am watching The Boys Season 2. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell you right now. We both said off the top we only have one thing to talk about. That's mine, too. I finished The Boys Season 2. Oh, you finished it. I'm on... I just finished Episode 7. So I've got okay. 8, 9, and 10 to do. Is that right? Is there 10? Uh, for some reason, I didn't think it went as far as 10. Hold on. I'll, I'll Google it. Okay. Uh, I've been enjoying it. I loved Season 1. And so far, I'm really enjoying Season 2. And... What's the episode count? Ten? Uh, it's eight. Eight? Holy shit, I'm on the fucking finale. I, sh- I could have fucking polished it off last night. Man, you fool. Idiot. I actually had the, t- <laughs> I actually had the time to do it. I was like, I, I, I thought I had three more, and I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang them out Thursday. Oh. Nope, you have one more to do. You should have just done it. God damn it. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything on the show uh, here. Uh, maybe next week you and I can dive into a little bit more if we, if we want. Um, this is what, you know, <laughs> while I'm loving it, and for people that listen to the show regularly, they know that I also uh, watched all of the first season of Batwoman. Uh, and while I've been enjoying it, they take up a lot of my time and don't allow me to watch movies. And I'm getting kind of bitter about it. <laughs> but, you know, you have the power to prevent that. I do by not watching TV shows. Exactly. Yes. And but the only TV shows I watch are the ones that I'm already invested in. People keep telling me, "Hey, you should check out this show." I'm like, "No, I don't want to." <laughs> I'm like, I I it might be completely amazing, but I know that if it's any good, if I can binge it, I'm going to want to. And that's that's the problem and that's that's why I was a fan of shows that are releasing weekly because it allows me to marinate on them and all that kind of stuff but if it's at my disposal i'm just gonna want to i just i'm like i want to know what happens and i wish i could i wish i could find more restraint and maybe i will on another show but i can't think of another show that i'm currently invested in that is coming anytime soon because mine hunters hasn't even been picked up for season three because Fincher's too busy. Mm-hmm. Ozark. I don't even know if they're filming. I think Ozark may have been one of the uh, Ozark season four may have been one of the casualties of the pandemic. As far as uh, shooting it goes, they, they may have just delayed it, but yeah, I, I think that was one of the ones that had to be delayed. And, delayed. That, and that's it. My CW superhero shows. Uh, I, Basically, I, what I do is I just wait until they hit Blu-ray, and then I buy the box, and then I just watch the whole season. So, And because I don't spend a lot of time 
perusing fan sites on those shows, I don't. I it's pretty rare I get spoiled anyway, so I'm usually pretty safe on them. And yeah, the, the, sorry to interrupt you there, yeah. Manny. The last word on Ozark uh, was when they said that season four would be the final season, uh, but I haven't I haven't seen in my brief research in these last 30 seconds uh, any any finality as far as when that release date is going to be. Yeah. And then what's the only other show that I, oh uh fucking Stranger Things which, yeah we both like Stranger Things yeah that was that was the one I know was uh, the filming was delayed because of the pandemic yeah but they 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 just dump the whole season on you so it'll basically <laughs> be like a ten hour movie for me so yeah it's I I kind of I I I think what I need to do is if I'm gonna watch a show I should just pick one night a week and I get to watch one episode and then that. That night, one episode, and then I can watch movies like like God meant me to be. Because I so you're, you're are you are you denouncing binge watching right now? Are are you is this the end of binge watching TV for you? Is that what you're saying? No, I I, I want to try not to binge watch stuff mm-hmm. because I it's I I want to get through it because I want to be able to talk about it. I, I want to be able to I, I basically want I, I basically want the gratification. But at the same time, because especially like watching older shows, like I am desperate to start The Sopranos. But oh, you've never seen The Sopranos? Hey? Ne- never. Widely, I can... mean, I I haven't, but I just I would have expected you to have watched it. Yeah, I own the box set. It's right there. I've owned it for over six years, and have never watched it because I I, mean, I, I I know how it ends. I know the ending of The Sopranos. So do I. <laughs> the other show that I'm really interested in watching and getting through is The Wire. Yeah, which I've heard nothing but good things about. Yes. So everybody I've ever met who likes The Wire is like annoying about it, which can only mean that it must be really good. So I think what I might do is after I finish the boys season two here, which will be the I think the last of the TV shows that I want to watch for this season – I'm going to dive headfirst back into film until the end of the year. And then, spoiler alert for Heads Up, we have a, a year in, in review coming up in the early part of 2021 that's actually going to... We're, we're getting pretty deep into it. We've actually committed to watching more films than we normally would for a year in review, which I'm... And the ones we selected, I'm so fucking excited for. Yeah. I think after we finish that... I might dive into some serious TV because I think after that, if I'm not mistaken, our schedule kind of opens up into stuff that's easier for me to digest in regards. Long time listeners of the show will know that we, we plan these things out way, way far in advance before we got on air tonight. We were, we were talking about the first half of 2021, which honestly isn't even that far ahead for us. Only a few months. Normally it's, Half a year and sometimes almost as much as a year. Oh, no. Never mind. That plan might not work because I think after we have a little break with the Oscars and stuff, we have another annual event coming up around May the 4th. Oh, yeah. I wonder what that could be. Yeah. And then <laughs> a- after that, we might be wanting – we because we have big plans for the next year after that in retrospective, we might want to – we might want to dole out quite a bit of time for that year as well. Never mind. Who knows? Whatever. 
I think what I might do is eventually, I, I maybe you know what? Maybe what I should do is just do The Sopranos and just pretend it's on HBO and watch one episode Sunday nights until I'm mm-hmm. done. Hmm. That's an idea. Hmm. Hmm. That wouldn't be that hard to commit to. You you are a creature of structure, aren't you, Manny? You are you are somebody who needs to plan these things out. No, I I need to plan things out on things that I actually kind of really want to get done. Mm-hmm. Um. And things that I'm really interested in. Uh, it's pr- I, I, uh, most of the time, Mike. I I have no problem flying by the seat of my pants. I'm not someone that kind of feels out of place or if I panic if everything isn't planned out. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm just always if I if I plan things out, then it makes me com- it makes me commit to them. And yeah, I know that feeling. I I kind of if I make a commitment to something, I. I I like to feel that I'm a man of my word, and so if I commit to something, hence the reason why I wanted a podcast partner to do a podcast. <laughs> to be- hold you accountable. Yes, to hold me accountable. If But if I don't, if it's just me, if it was a solo pod, I'd be like, I don't feel like doing it tonight. I'm not going to do it tonight. There'd be no accountability. Your, your mistake there was choosing the laziest, most procrastination-prone podcast partner on the planet. Oh no. my god, that was a lot of peas. Did you hear that? That was nice alliteration. Uh, yeah, it was. The be- no, the best part is that that's forcing me to be more structured, and because you are such an amazing podcast partner, and I fucking love doing this so much, I just want to plan. I would if you said, "Hey, Manny, you should plan the next five years of our podcast." I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, we could literally spend a night planning for five years, and it wouldn't feel ludicrous. No, it wouldn't. I would be. It would actually make me excited. The only reason I wouldn't want to do that is because I actually love planning the podcast. When we're sitting down and just going through ideas and like getting excited about ideas, it's like one of the funnest things we do in this show, which is weird because I am, like I just said, very much not a creature of structure. I am very much a procrastinator, lazy, flying by the seat of my pants. But for some reason, planning out this podcast with you and getting excited about ideas is so fun. I, I totally agree. It's <laughs> And the best part is, for a peek, again, another peek behind the curtains is I propose an idea for sam and i to do early in 2021 and third third fourth week of january right yeah second third and fourth week of january Mm because the the first week was we had already uh planned uh and i could have texted sam the idea but i wanted to do it on camera so i could see his face and see if he got as excited to the idea as i was (laughs) and it was worth the wait because he was pumped i lit up (laughs) yes great and i'm smiling again i'm glowing yes um yeah okay so that that being so the said boys was good <laughs> so so the boys the, the boys was good did you want to say anything more about the boys sam uh not really we'll talk about it a little bit more next week i'm sure i i guess i'll just briefly sort of say here that i i did prefer season one season two was a step back in my opinion there's mm-hmm. a lot to like about it i i wouldn't go so far as calling it a disappointment uh because there's a lot to like there still but it's gotten almost exclusively positive reviews online so far from what i can see uh some of them even calling it better than the first i really don't get where a lot of that's coming from and i'd love to delve into that a little bit more uh after you finish the show because there are just there are elements of the season that i think um it's sort of a tough balance when you're uh, when you're making a TV show because do you want to give the people more of what they already have and what you know they like, or do you want to take it in a new direction and maybe risk them not liking what you've given them? It's sort of a balancing act between uh, 
between keeping it fresh and uh, sticking with what made the show work in the first place. And uh, there, there are just elements. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there's elements of things that I'm, I'm glad that they tried in the new season that just didn't quite do it for me. So I'd be interested to know your thoughts on, on some things next week. Fair enough. I look forward to talking with you about it. Well, since that's all we've been watching, we can dive right into the main episode. People, <laughs> We had one thing to talk about, and it didn't stop us from going on like a 10-minute tangent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm shocked. Shocked. All right. And we didn't even really talk about the boys. No, we just talked about us because I'm incredibly nervous. We're, we're really good at talking about us. Yes. We're really, really good at it. All right. Let's get to this week's main part of the episode, Sam's 15th favorite film of all time, Shaun of the Dead. Released September 24th, 2004. Directed by Edgar Wright, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Kate Ashfield. Has a Metascore of 76. Uh, went 0 for 0 at the Oscars, meaning it had no Oscar nominations. Uh, it had a budget of $4 million, and it grossed 13 in the U.S. and 30 worldwide. The plot? A man's uneventful life is disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. Sam, this is one of your favorite films of all time. Correct. Why don't you give me a little spoiler-free insight into why you like this movie so much? So people who know me in my personal life and uh, listeners of the podcast alike will know that I am a massive fan of Edgar Wright. Uh, it wasn't too long ago uh, that Manny watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and we discussed it on the podcast briefly. That's a movie that I really like. Uh, Baby Driver is another one that I know Manny and I uh, both really enjoyed that came out recently. Um, and the, uh, Shaun of the Dead is, for those who don't know, sort of the first movie in an unofficial trilogy by Edgar Wright. Um, <clears throat> it, it's called the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy, and, uh, it, it, it's basically Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End are a, uh, an anthology trilogy. All three of those movies are ones that I really enjoy as well. Um, Shaun of the Dead probably being my favorite of those, although Hot Fuzz is a close second. Um, so one of the reasons that I love Edgar Wright as a director so much is that he does, he has this really interesting style of setting things up and calling them back that for some reason just tickles me pink. Uh, I love all of the jokes, especially in Shaun of the Dead, that are, uh, said once, usually in the first act, and then brought back in the climax of the movie. It, it's a really, uh, fun and effective way of comedic storytelling, and it's really strictly scripted. There's not a, a lot of room for improvisation. Uh, there's like only a couple of scenes in this movie that are improvised, which is saying something when it has so many talented comedic actors in it. Um, so the setup and callback is something that, that really works really well for me. Uh, I, for some reason, the plot and the themes of this story uh, have always kind of resonated with me. We just talked about how I sort of lack structure in my own life. Uh, Look no further for a uh, for a cinematic parallel than the movie we're talking about today, because Sean is somebody who just uh, is complacent, lazy, directionless, and this movie, even though it's about a zombie apocalypse, is actually about him finding some sort of structure in his life and some sort of direction and becoming motivated and becoming a leader, uh, and th those are all things that, even though this is a comedy, have worked really well. Um, but you can see Edgar Wright's style early on in his career, even from this. So the setup and callback is there. He has uh, a distinct love for syncing uh, sound design in with the visuals. There's a very famous scene in this movie uh, to the tune of Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, 
Um, there's a lot of visual flourishes and hard zooms and uh, transition between scenes. Uh, you know, uh, there's rapid fire jokes. Um, it, there's just so much about his style that you can already see in this movie that I really like. Uh, and that's before even talking about the fantastic cast, Simon Pegg, uh, uh, Jesus, I can't think of his name, Nick Frost, uh, and, and and so many others, so many great ones in the in the supporting cast. Um, I, I guess uh, one of the last things I want to talk about before we get into the spoiler section is just that something I have said on the show numerous times, and I think Manny has echoed the sentiment as well. Uh, one of the golden rules of writing, in my opinion, is that you need to mistreat your protagonist. You need to have your protagonist go through garbage. And Sean goes, <laughs> he absolutely goes through the ringer in this movie. He is uh, called a loser and yelled at in the beginning. And everything. Everything that he does in his journey to become a leader goes awry. So many of the people that he cares about die, and some of them directly because of him. Uh, He just really goes through a lot of shit in this movie, and uh, how he responds to those things uh, show character and show growth. So this is... I I haven't even really talked about the comedy all that much in this movie, because it is absolutely hilarious, but in my opinion, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot smarter than a regular comedy. This is a brilliantly written movie that would work as a drama, even if it had no comedic elements whatsoever. I I think it would work really well, uh, even even without those things. It just so happens that on top of being exceptionally well-written and well-acted, it is also a very funny movie. So those are just a short number of the reasons. uh, I did say short. Short number of the reasons uh, why I love this movie so much. Manny, I would love to get uh, a word in from you because I have been talking for a minute now. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could echo those statements, Sam. Uh, I haven't seen this movie basically since it came out. And I remember when I saw it back then that I thought it was just fine. And watching again, I just kind of feel the same way. I was going in really excited to rewatch this. After revisiting, well, not well, lo- like loving Baby Driver as much as I did, and then diving into finally watching, um, god damn it, Hot Fuzz, World's End. Nope, nope, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, and loving Scott Pilgrim, so I was excited to rewatch this. I'm like, okay, maybe my opinion has changed, and s- sadly, it hasn't. This, really? yeah, this movie. I didn't really laugh that much, and I found I found most of the time to be Sean almost unlikable, uh, especially really? yeah, especially at the beginning. Uh, his apathy towards his girlfriend and his lack of effort into their relationship, I was just like, dude, you you're a you're a shitty person. You don't deserve this person, and and yeah. that and that's how I felt. And while, as the movie goes along and he becomes more of a leader, it's a bit more of a redemption there. And that I I totally agree with. Uh, but as I was watching, I was also kind of thinking, I'm like, am I just not into British comedies? I, I tried to think of some other like British comedies, and I couldn't really think of any that I, that I love. Uh, don't get me wrong. I didn't hate this movie. Uh, it was It was fine. And that's about as far as I'll go. Uh, spoiler, spoiler free. Like I don't, I, I, I'll dive more into the movie, but I, I don't want to talk about reveal anything about that without getting spoiler free. But I won't lie. I went in really excited to revisit this because of Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver, 
uh, but I I left uh, unsatisfied. Oh, that's that's really uh, that's that's too bad to hear. I, I, I know. Last week we talked about Lost Boys, which was a similar situation—a movie that uh, that you've liked for a long, long time. Yes. Uh, that I I didn't really get. Yeah, but um, I, I I was I was un I was pretty sure you weren't going to like it. I was just holding out hope that you would. Yeah, I uh, I I thought for sure this would be one that you uh, that you would like. I'm sad to hear that you found it maybe a little underwhelming. Uh, but I, I guess we can get into the specific reasons for that. I should also say. Uh, explicitly, I think I've hinted at it a couple times, but I should explicitly say I do have a long history with this movie. I watched it for the first time when I was far, 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 far too young to have watched this movie. Uh, this movie came out in 2004, and I probably didn't watch it for the first time too long after that. Uh, so I was born in 1996, so I probably watched this movie for the first time around the age of 10. So I, w I was much too young to be this movie's target demo when I first watched it, uh, but I have seen it several times since, um, and uh, I, I, I still quite like it a lot to this day, between this, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Baby Driver, and even The World's End, which I've only seen maybe once or twice. Uh, I just, I really like all of Edgar Wright's movies. I'm, uh, I'm bummed that uh, that this didn't, uh, didn't, didn't get you in the same ways that it did me, but I guess we'll get into the specifics of that uh, when we get into spoilers, hey, Manny? Yeah, totally. And, and Sam, I'm with you. If I, if I had seen this as a 10-year-old... This this would resonate deeply with me. It's a, and it's, that's exactly what I was getting to. Like I saw Lost Boys when I was twelve or thirteen, yeah. right? So it's kind of a, a like perfect mirror images of one another. So let's get into spoilers. Sam, watch take us into spoilers for Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead came out sixteen years ago. If you haven't seen it by now, you should definitely do so before listening to this podcast. Uh, you've been warned. Three, two, one, go fuck yourself. Where would you like to start? Mon ami? Um, I think uh, a logical place would be Simon Pegg. Sounds good. Um, did you have any thoughts on his performance? Uh, I, his performance was, was good mm -hmm. in regards to uh, obviously not Oscar level, but at no point was I ever like, ooh, that's bad acting. It was, yeah. he's, he's, he's perfect for this role. He plays it well. At basically, at no point, and it's a, an easy thing to say, but at no point did I ever think I was watching Simon Pegg. I'm watching Sean. So yeah, I think that's a perfectly reasonable point of view. Yeah, um, I, I felt the exact same way. I I know that I find this movie funny. Like every time I go back to it, I'm, I remember all the jokes, remember all the lines. Uh, but the thing that stuck out to me this time, having watched it as many times as I have, uh, is that now that we've been talking about acting and, and filmmaking for two and a half years. Uh, I feel like I, I was expecting him to stick out like a sore thumb, uh, especially because he has a couple of cry scenes in this movie and a couple of, uh, a couple of dramatic scenes. He's actually really good in them. He, he's actually quite good. I was really surprised uh, trying to look at it objectively, but I was impressed. I was curious to see if you, if you found the same, but uh, in particular, uh, Philip's death uh, between him and, Bill, don't call me the science guy, Nai. Uh, between him, uh, between those that scene and uh, the death scene of his mother, uh, and the ensuing Mexican standoff there, the the high stakes moment that, that comes about, uh, he's got some he's got some some chops. He's got some dramatic chops, I think. Yeah, I I don't I don't remember being all that impressed with uh, with Bill's death, um, mm -hmm. but his performance when Barbara dies 
was a standout. He's when Dave when David is uh, saying that they need to kill her and he's defending her. Yes. And they've all got the bottles to each other's throat and whatnot. Yes. And when and then oh, yeah 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 it it was he was really good and in all honesty probably in the entire movie that's probably the best acting is that scene there. Yeah, I would say so as well. I, I personally also like uh, Philip's death scene, uh, not even necessarily because of Simon Pegg's performance, although I do think it's good. Uh, it's more so just because of the moment, I guess. I, I just, I've just i always liked that moment, especially because, like I said, the movie is about a slacker learning direction in his life. And even though Philip is, by all accounts, kind of a bastard, he, in that moment, tells Sean everything that he really needs to hear, that... He was always just trying to give him uh, structure. He was always just trying to, to motivate him, and he, he sometimes pushed him a little hard, but he always loved him. And for some reason, that moment is... Uh, it, like, I'm never on the verge of tears, but I, I just I just like that scene. Fair enough. Didn't quite resonate with me, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a whole hum scene, but I, I can see why it would, it would give you a little poke in the feels. Yeah. Uh, that's about the only performance that I really want to draw attention to from a dramatic perspective. Um, I think everyone is at least funny. Uh, I think Liz is kind of an under, under not underrated, underwritten character. Uh, she doesn't really have a whole lot to do uh, other than dump Sean at the beginning. Uh, a female lead in a male-written movie? Under Maddie, Underwritten? Color me shocked, I know. Say it ain't so. But we have a we have an underwritten uh, love interest character uh, who who just happens to be a female. Wow! wow. I never thought we would see the day on the podcast. It's a first for the Samuel Manuel movie podcast. It, it is a first. Um, are there any other characters that, or uh, performances or anything you want to draw attention to before we move like sort of scene by scene or moment by moment? No, there's no other. There's no. There's nobody else in the movie that really stuck out either way. I thought everybody was perfectly fine, middle of the road at at no point were they bad at no point were they good it was just it was a it was a a well executed movie by everybody in it uh did you uh, you said that you didn't really find this movie hilarious at any given point uh did you uh find any sort of did you get any of the chemistry especially between Simon Pegg and uh Nick Frost did any of that chemistry feel tangible to you no, it, did it, it, did it get you at any point? It didn't, and I know that they had a TV show together prior to this called Spaced, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which, which I haven't seen. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Simon and Nick are good friends in real life. I think that is true, yeah. I think so, but I'll be honestly, I, I didn't pick up that kind of buddy chemistry that I do in a lot of other movies. I didn't find it... Uh, I didn't. Off-putting? I didn't. No, I didn't find it off-putting. I just didn't feel that type of connection. The way I, yeah, uh, I- uh, to give a really shitty example, but an example like because this movie means a lot to you, mm-hmm. a movie that means a lot to me. Uh, the same way I feel uh, like a real connection between like Jay and Silent Bob. Okay. They yeah. they have really a really great chemistry together. Of course, one of them only one of them really talks. Um, and but. Again, but there's more to there's more to it than that. Yeah, they just have this really great on-screen chemistry, and it comes from because Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith are best friends in real life, and I didn't I didn't quite feel that. Could it be possibly because I don't quite understand British humor, or it doesn't really resonate with me? It's possible. 
the more I was really thinking about that as I was watching this movie, I realized that I think maybe British humor isn't quite or, or British British comedies in the movies and maybe I, I don't have a lot of experience with any British TV shows off the top of my head, but a lot of really famous British comedies I may have enjoyed, but I didn't I don't uh, hold them as high regard as a lot of people do, such as the Monty Python films. That was the first example that came to mind for me. We just talked about uh, the Holy Grail for uh, not an entire episode, but uh, just briefly at the beginning of one uh, a few months ago. Yeah. And I remember that you, I, I was shocked that a, a classic like that wasn't one that you held in too high regard. I guess I shouldn't have been in retrospect, but. Yeah, I've really started to notice over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so that my taste in comedy seems to be outside the normal not that my taste in comedy is better. I, it's just that I seem to not be as big a fan of I hate, I, like mainstream comedy. Uh, like I, I don't like most Adam Sandler movies, which are incredibly popular. I don't like much Will Ferrell comedies, which are incredibly popular. This movie is incredibly popular. I don't know. I don't know anybody that's seen this movie and, and said and and doesn't love it. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was just I thought it was just fine. Like it's, but and I'm like. I'm really starting to realize that maybe comedies just aren't my thing. And, you know, there are there are a lot of mainstream comedies that I, I really enjoyed, but I find that they don't – I have a hard time rewatching them. Like, I, I loved The Hangover when I saw it in the theater, and then when I revisited it, it was good. But the more I've rewatched it, I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's It's not – Wedding Crashers is one of my favorite ones to talk about because I remember being in the theater loving it and then I rewatched it and I was like, this isn't really that funny. And then I rewatched it again, I think it was last year, and I, I barely laughed. And You said the one scene that you laughed at in Wedding Crashers was uh, where she's giving him a handjob under y- the table, right? Yep. I, just thinking about it right now, I can feel myself smirking. Yeah. <laughs> but the rest, the rest of the movie, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. But like, like a, a comedy movie that I really enjoyed recently, and I rewatched it because I and I talked about it on the show was the was the the movie Tag. Yeah, and I loved it, uh, absolutely loved it. And then I rewatched it, and while I didn't laugh as hard the second time as I did the first, I was still thoroughly enjoying watching it. And so the the chemistry between Simon to get back the chemistry between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, I. I just didn't I didn't feel it. But I didn't it, there was no lack of chemistry. I wasn't like these guys aren't friends. Mm. I just didn't feel it is the best way I can describe it. I think yeah, that I totally get what you're saying. And I think the tag comparison is probably a good one because I've seen tag as well. I I really liked it too. You've talked a lot on the podcast in uh several several episodes uh, about how you tend to like a lot of movies that focus on close male bonds uh like uh close uh platonic friendships yes uh because you have a lot of uh, close friends in your life that mean a lot to you yes and tag definitely falls into that category for me at least i'm sure it does for you too. oh big time big time focuses on a really really tight-knit group of guys who mean the world to each other while Shaun of the dead does have uh two two close friends living together it's not really about their friendship yeah, it's about it's about Sean's journey mm-hmm. uh, into becoming uh, a bigger person, to becoming a better person. And uh, there's actually a lot in the movie 
that's never really resolved per se uh, about how Ed actually holds Sean back in a lot of different regards. And he doesn't actually fulfill his transition to becoming this better person until we are in, we are in the spoiler section until Ed dies. Yes. So and that might be one of the reasons why I think you didn't feel the connection. It might not be the reason, but it may be one of the reasons it's, just, it's not really about their friendship. I actually, I think one of the other reasons as well is that Ed's not a good friend. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Ed is actually a piece of shit. He's so sure. he was someone I would never be friends with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of people call Sean out on this, and Sean even knows that Ed's not really that good of a friend. He's someone that he keeps around because, as Pete puts it at the beginning, uh, it makes him feel better to know that somebody's an even bigger loser than he is. Yeah. And see, like, when, I, when you remind me of that scene, that reminds that makes me feel I'm like, Pete's a better friend to Sean than, Nick, than Ed is. I'm like, yeah, because Pete, Pete respects Sean enough to tell him that he needs to sort his life out. Yes. And that and that Ed is being shitty to him. That's the, the that is one time I did laugh. Uh it's in that scene where I think he was talking about uh, I'll uh yeah, it's it spoiler alert for upcoming episode or upcoming episode uh, upcoming part of the show. It's one of my favorite quotes. Okay. Where where Pete goes, all right, I admit it, he can be pretty funny on occasion, like that time we stayed up all night drinking apple schnapps and playing Tekken 2. And Sean goes, oh, yeah, laughing. When was that? That was five years ago. When's he going home? <laughs> that was a great moment because Pete plays it perfectly, sets him up. Like, he actually is pretty good, and Sean's so happy. He's like, oh, Pete's coming around on, on, on Ed. How great. And then fucking Pete cuts his legs out <laughs> from underneath of him. That was five five years ago. It's, it's, yeah, that, that's a really great Pete moment, kind of really showing true friendship right there while fucking Ed's, uh, yeah, not, not for me. Uh, I kind of want to go to something that I talked about in the non-spoiler section, yeah. which is the style of setup and callback humor. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, does this not really, um, not really your thing, I guess, or maybe it's just the the writing of this particular movie. But I I really like all of this. How every, almost every joke or at least every element in the first half of the movie is brought back to a certain extent. Like the debate about the Winchester rifle, uh, about whether it's real or not, and then it, it turns out that it is at the end. Um, a variety of lines are are said and repeated. Things like um, at, at the beginning of the movie, Sean tells Pete to leave Ed alone, and then when Pete bites Ed at the end of the movie, he says, Pete, I said to leave him alone, and shoots him in the head. Like, there's there's a ton of those sorts of elements that uh, you don't necessarily catch on first watch, but uh, as you rewatch it as much as I have, you do certainly. Um, did you pick up on a number of these? Did you enjoy this element? Do you like this style of comedic storytelling? Uh, I picked up on quite a few of them. I, I won't be able to pinpoint a lot of them. The Winchester rifle one I knew for sure. Uh, the, the picking on Ed, I did, uh, the, uh, shit, uh, I can't, is it a pinball machine that, yep. that Nick, or I keep calling him Nick cause that's his real name that, Ed. that Ed plays, uh, there's something else that the jukebox being on random comes back jukebox being on random. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm a big fan of callbacks, mm-hmm. but they didn't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I I just think it that that's a it, it's good writing when you can do that in a smart way. Um, the writing on this movie is great. 
the one thing I did love, I love all the little small clues at the beginning of the film leading up towards the zombie apocalypse. You hear the radio playing in the background about, I think, some asteroid coming in or something crashing and all those kind of things, all these little clues leading up to the zombie apocalypse that something's happening and Sean's just oblivious because he's doesn't care about anything in the world isn't really paying attention but if you're listening to them listening for them uh the one thing I found uh, it's good writing but it didn't really make me laugh uh is when he's switching all the channels but if you listen to everything they're saying in one long thing it tells you exactly what's happening yeah, a series of attacks where people are literally being eaten alive as he's yes switching through all the channels. Yeah, great writing, great technique shown that, but it didn't it didn't make me laugh, and and that's where that's where I feel maybe my comedic preferences differ from a lot of people, and I don't mean to say that like I'm hoity-toity. Why are you? fucking schlebs laughing at this fucking <laughs> laughing at this bullshit it's just it it's not my cup of tea i mean we like to be we like to poke a little bit of fun at you on the show manny for yes. being an, an elitist but i don't think there's anything elitist about saying that this style of comedy just flat out isn't for you i don't think there's anything elitist about that perfect it's just, I, it's, I, just, it's just simply not like you said it's not your cup of tea yes and i'm not saying that the comedy that i do enjoy is a high grade because i'm a big fan of the early kevin smith films and those are not good those are <laughs> yeah i, I can't not... wait for us to do this. Can't wait for us to do the View Askew universe and for uh, for the roles to be reversed in this conversation. For you telling me how funny those movies are. Yes. <laughs> Although I even I even enjoy those movies, so I can't really say that. Yes. So, um, but I like the the nice thing, <laughs> the nice thing with this movie is that I can see why you especially would enjoy it and why people enjoy it. I watch a Will Ferrell movie and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck people are finding funny. Yeah. As somebody who does like. I won't even say most Will Ferrell movies, but a good number of Will Ferrell movies. Um, this is much smarter. This yes. Is, this is much, a way better written movie uh, in a lot of different ways than most Will Ferrell movies. Yes, and there are some uh, definitely like hugely popular comedies that I have enjoyed, such as like The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. Like Those ones I, st- I still watch now and still th- thoroughly enjoy. Game Night is another one. I fucking love Game Night. I still haven't seen that, actually. I heard that was really good. It is really good. It's really fun. Really, really fun. Um, one element that I wanted to draw attention to as far as the setups and callbacks is one that's really disguised that I don't know if you picked up on, but it's really smart, and I just wanted to draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the scene right after Liz has dumped Sean right at the beginning of the movie, and Ed is consoling him in the bar over a drink. Uh, and he gives him a little speech, uh, just saying that they should just keep drinking right on through tomorrow. Um, and that's what they're going to do. That's how he's going to get over Liz. They're just going to keep drinking all the way through tomorrow. And he makes this plan for them. Um, I don't know if you have this in, or you came across this in your, uh, in your studies about this movie, but the monologue that he gives is actually a synopsis of the movie. He just doesn't realize it. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, but I don't think I wrote it down no i, I, I have I, it in front of i me definitely didn't no i definitely didn't yeah he says you know what we should do tomorrow keep drinking we'll have a bloody mary first thing and as you recall they murder a girl named mary in their garden in pretty bloody fashion mm-hmm. fashion excuse me um have a bite at the king's head they then go to rescue philip who gets bitten on the neck uh 
a couple at the little princess, and they rescue uh, David and Di, who are a couple at Liz's, who is the little princess. Uh, we'll stagger back here. Bang. We're back at the bar for shots. And that one requires no explanation. Mm -hmm. And Edgar Wright says says that took him like an entire day to write that monologue. <laughs> uh, again, there's, there's all these fun little elements of this movie, and this movie is chock full of them, as well as uh, Hot Fuzz is chock full of these. World's End is full of all these. Uh, these these little Easter eggs that maybe you don't catch on first watch that if you dig deep enough you can find them and I that's one of the many reasons I think uh, not only the quality of this movie but the rewatchability of this one is so high for me in particular. Awesome! I love it. I love he I love hearing a movie that you're super excited about. Yeah, and I am, and I'm so upset that you're not. <laughs> not, not because. Not because I think you should like this or anything, just because you, you know how it is when you when you like a movie. You just want people to like it. That's all. Hundred percent. And I want people to like this one. Yes. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about as as far as the plot of the movie? Any scenes you want to draw attention to or anything like that? Uh, the standout scenes for me are uh, the 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 Mexican standoff mm -hmm. uh, with his mom, uh, Simon is really good in that uh the editing is really good as he as as edgar cuts between all the characters yelling and stuff like that the actor that plays dave um i don't know i, I don't and i don't know anything else he's uh dylan morin is his name Yeah, i was looking him up earlier apparently he's mostly a stand-up i didn't didn't recognize anything he was in okay let me see if i know anything he's been in nope 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 I know nothing. Okay. Oh, ha. Huh. Well, he was his is the first movie he ever done was Notting Hill, which I do know him in. Mm. Um I do love that movie by the way. A lot actually. Notting, I seen it. Notting Hill. Love that movie. <laughs> great great rom-com. Mm. Um Actually, you know what? I'll give a standout to David because I want to fucking punch him in the face. Yeah, he was a piece of shit. Yeah. Or I guess, uh, sorry, we are uh, we are talking about a British movie. He was a twat, I believe, is uh, the preferred nomenclature. Yes. Yeah, he was definitely a twat, and he was told numerous times. Uh, uh, fun, uh, fun moment, actually, uh, in regards to David being a twat, is uh, when they first, uh, when Sean goes to Liz's apartment at the beginning before the apocalypse starts, uh, she yells at him, uh, really, you want to hang out with David and Diane? Uh, a failed actress and a twat. And he says, hey, I never called Diane a failed actress. <laughs> For some reason, that joke gets me. <laughs> and D David is uh, David is listening on the conversation as well. But yeah, I, I fucking hate him. The moment where he gets his guts ripped out is, uh, is a, moment of, a moment of relief. Especially because he's just tried to kill Sean. He's just pulled the trigger on, uh, on the Winchester rifle. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, not... Other than that, not really. Um, a comedic moment that I like is when they're going through the records uh, to try to figure out which ones to throw at the zombies. So yes. I guess the, the Bloody Mary scene, the scene where she's in the garden at the beginning. Yep. Uh, that one where they're trying to uh, sift through all the records and figure out which they want to keep, which they want to destroy. Uh, as somebody who is a music nerd and or snob, uh, that, <laughs> that always gets a chuckle out of me. Um trying to think of what else there is to do it's just a, a, a number of comedic moments really uh there's a there's a fun filmmaking moment uh 
just the the single take walk to the shop yes i really like uh that's one of the highlights of the movie for me at least redoes uh, it in baby driver yeah that's right uh the opening credits of baby driver right yep yeah which is honestly one of the best parts in that movie too yes it, in my opinion works both times it does yeah you can really see and you know i was just checking edgar wright's directorial credits here and he's done a shit ton of TV work over in the UK prior to doing this movie. So I don't know, like, he, he got his chops. He wasn't coming in. This isn't like um, like a fresh face auteur coming in and, uh, and doing it. But this was, it looks like his, yeah, there is a movie he did called A Fistful of Fingers. But other than that, he did a shit ton of TV work before doing Shaun of the Dead. And... It's you can see that this man has definitely got he's definitely got some serious skill. Like Ed- Edgar Wright is a great director, and you can see a lot of things that you and I both really love in his later films that he's really starting to perfect and try here. That long take, that long tracking shot of Sean going to the store, uh, all those great editing cuts that he does with the kind of the sound effects to go with them. Also very reminiscent of Tarantino as well. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you're going to borrow from somebody, borrow from the best, right? Borrow from the man who borrows from everybody. Yes. So, you know, and, the, you know, the tracking shots, Scorsese's known for his as well. And But uh, he, Edgar, he's a really great director. And the way that he cuts his movies together, the way he writes his dialogue and the way he shoots them and the way and everything. He's, he's a, a real great artist and you can see him really trying out ideas that he probably has been sitting on for a while. And now that he has the, the chance to do them, he really decided to run with it. And you can see the foundations of the stuff that are going to make him an incredibly popular director that he's that he's fleshing out now. Yeah, I I think uh, you, you said it perfectly. There's a lot uh, of his particular style that's already present in this movie. This mm-hmm. is his. Uh, even though, yeah, you said he had a movie called A Fistful of Fingers. I never saw it, uh, but this I would say it was really his coming out as a as a big time director, if he if you can even call him big time. Uh, but yeah, so much about his style is already present here. The tracking shots, the editing, um, his use of sound, uh, in particular the way he edits with the sound. If you've seen Baby Driver and you like the way that the sound is integrated into every little motion and every little cut, uh, even though it's not as present here in Shaun of the Dead, uh, the Don't Stop Me Now scene should already be a clear precursor to to what would come with baby driver with them uh with them hitting the the zombie bartender on the beat with uh, pool cues that that definitely feels like a moment that he would continue to uh, recreate and improve upon in his later work especially in baby driver yeah i was just taking a look at that fistful of fingers and it looks basically like a glorified student film Okay. <laughs> uh, didn't really get a release. Has no no money. Like, I can't find a budget. I can't find anything it made. It's only an hour and 18 minutes long. There's nobody that's in this movie 
that has much of a film like not even a filmography like there's there's nobody so for all intents and purposes Shaun of the dead really is his uh is his debut yeah the guy yeah uh i don't i don't i don't remember the the movie hot fuzz all that well but you obviously do because it's it's a movie i fucking love that movie too is there something in there called the living statue Yes, yes, there is. Okay, the lead in A Fistful of Fingers is the guy that played the living statue. <laughs> That's such a random cameo. The living statue, as you could probably guess from his character's name, does not have any lines in the movie and is barely in it. Yeah, so A Fistful of Fingers definitely is, like, and even looking at, like, the picture, the very few pictures, it's, it's this is, the, Shaun of the Dead would de- be his true film debut. But like I said, uh, quick math here. We got 12, 21, 27, 28, 29, 35. We've got close to 50 episodes of TV that Edgar Wright directed before he did Shaun of the Dead. So, so he, he wasn't coming in cold, exactly. No, he cut, it, he cut his chops, and uh, he knew what he was doing. Just this was his first film, so he probably had a little bit more freedom to probably do the things – with a camera and with editing that you probably weren't quite given the freedom to do on a TV show. So, yeah. You've, you said you've seen Hot Fuzz, right? Uh, when it came out, like the yeah. year, like not in the theater, but like on home video, I remember nothing of it. Nothing. Uh, you're, you're a relatively big fan of the buddy cop genre, aren't you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's some hesitation there. Uh, I'd be curious if you like Hot Fuzz any more than you like this one. And in, in my opinion, they're they're relatively similar movies. Mm-hmm. But whereas this one is both homaging and sort of parodying the genre tropes of horror, uh, that one is sort of parodying and homaging at the same time uh, the the tropes of the buddy cop genre. So I, I wonder if you would find anything uh, anything to like more in that one than this one. Because in my opinion, they're on a similar level as far as like the filmmaking and the writing goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just personally prefer Shaun of the Dead. All right. I will, I will give hot fuzz another chance as well. I, I, I hope that you do. And I probably am going to make an effort to rewatch uh, the world's end. Cause I think I've only seen it once or twice. I've watched it in theaters and I'm uncertain if I've seen it since then. Now that I think about it, I probably haven't. I'm unsure if I've seen it in my mind. I think it was a no because I was underwhelmed by Shaun of the Dead and underwhelmed by Hot Fuzz when I saw them. So I was like, I have no desire to see this director again. And hmm. that's, that's also one of the reasons that I skipped Scott Pilgrim. But then I, yeah. saw, and then I saw Baby Driver and I was like, holy fuck balls, okay. <laughs> and so then I went back and finally watched Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is unbelievable. And so, yeah, maybe... Maybe the world's end needs to be revisited as well as Hot Fuzz. Scott Pilgrim versus the World is one that would be really fun to do an episode on too. I think at some point. Totally. That is a super dense movie, full of jokes and visual flourishes and visual gags and whatnot. Yeah, I I was in awe of how much I was loving that movie. Uh, 
I guess I, I'm onto the the random little things that I that I want to point out. Yeah. We, are, we are going through this episode in random time. I am only down to the last last <laughs> couple of things on my list here. This is crazy. We're we're gonna have like an episode that's barely over an hour. That doesn't happen for us. I know. <laughs> I'm uh, sure our listeners will be excited. Yeah, people people who have been telling us for two and a, I guess nearly we've been doing this for nearly three years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah people who've been telling us for three years, like, hey edit your episodes and make them shorter they're gonna love this one they're gonna love this episode this one's for you guys yep i promise you will follow it up with like a three hour one in the next couple of weeks here uh, uh, it, uh. <laughs> or, or maybe not uh, well i was gonna say we have one that we're doing next week but it's one we're putting in the bank that could possibly be pretty long Right. Yeah, <laughs> okay, we need to talk about that. So yes, again, as, we are we are recording two episodes next week, but one of them is going uh going into storage for a little bit because it's going to be released probably over the holidays. Yeah. There's a there, how's that for a peek behind the curtain? Yeah, we're we're yeah. we're banking some December episodes for you guys because Sam and I just have a hard time meeting up in December. We can't do shit in December. Yeah. Uh, random Martin Freeman cameo in the yeah. Show. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, it's Bilbo Baggins. Has one line, one word. I think he just says, hey. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Martin Freeman, who is a pretty recognizable person these days in 2020. But back in 2004, I guess he wasn't. I think Ma he was He was just about to do Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when he was in this movie. Never seen it. Uh, Jordan made me watch it. It's okay. All right. you, can, you can skip it. Uh, have you seen the movie Love Actually? Yes, I usually, I have cited that to you as a movie that I find overrated. Ah, yes. Uh, I do like that movie. I know you do. In and you like Alan Rickman in that movie. I fucking love, I'm, I mean, we just like Alan Rickman and everything. I'm, I'm, I should take a look at Alan Rickman's filmography and see if he's, see, if he's been in something that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, By the way, speaking of, speaking of Alan Rickman, just as a brief aside, doesn't the Harry Potter franchise feel like so long ago? Yes. As we're, as we're two episodes into our Halloween Horror Month, two weeks removed from talking about Harry Potter for two months straight. Yes, it does. It feels like forever ago. Feels like a distant dream. It does. Um, but what I was going to say with Martin Freeman and Love Actually is he's got a tiny role and tiny little segment in that movie. And he does this something in this movie that just has always warmed my heart and makes me think. And I and I know the feeling that he has. Do you remember him in Love Actually? Not really, no. Okay, he's his vignette is minuscule. He's the stand-in for that love scene that they're filming for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like him and that girl are like fake having sex so the camera crew can get all the lighting. Right. Okay. The whole their vignette keeps going back, and they're talking. She's bent over, and she and they're talking. They're having this normal conversation while they're doing these simulated sex acts. Mm -hmm. But he has this moment in that movie where he walks her home, and I think they have this just this lovely little kiss goodnight. And she walks in, and he walks down the stairs, and he just jumps. He's so excited because he's met this girl that he's just completely fallen for, and I know that feeling. That feeling of excitement you get when you first kiss that person that you've just met or something, that just sheer joy, those butterflies in the stomach. And he lets out this like little woohoo or something like that. I fucking it just warms the cockles of my heart every time. We're such softies here. We, we are really are. Because as you're describing that, I'm I'm sitting here with a massive grin on my face. Yeah. I, I know I know precisely the feeling, Manny. I know exactly the one. Yes. And while I don't remember that moment, uh, 
yeah, I, I, I know the feeling. It's a, it's a cute, cute thing. Awesome. Yeah, I just want to put that up. But yeah, Martin Freeman in the movie. Briefly, for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I shouldn't even say for some reason because somebody has to play the extras but, or somebody has to play the bit parts. Yes. But just weird that he, his face is pretty prominently on the screen and there's a conversation going on. But I just can't stop looking at Martin Freeman because I'm like, holy fuck, it's Martin Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he in this movie? Um, uh, I, I do have a, I have a minor complaint, but yeah, it, it, it's just it's just me nitpicking about, you know, about the stupid little shit that I always do that, you know, that isn't really that matter. You, it's just the kind of stuff you just you just you should let go because it's a movie. Yeah, but we're unhappy, bitter people. So we, we hang on to these things. Yeah, it's just it's minor. It's it's a comedy, so it doesn't bother me as much, but it's when they pretend to be zombies. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, you call bullshit. I call bullshit. I always, I always liked when, like, in The Walking Dead, they cover themselves because zombies can, like, in in their universe, zombies can smell live humans. Like, that's what they figured. So they they just drench themselves in viscera and guts and stuff from a zombie that they rip open, so the zombies can't smell them. So I, I just found it. I just found it odd that just because they act like a zombies, the zombies won't go for them. And again, minor thing because it's a comedy and it's about the dialogue and it's about the people. It's not actually about a zombie apocalypse is they're outside the Winchester surrounded by what looks to be hundreds of zombies for far too long. Yeah. They should be torn to shreds. Yes, they totally should. Minor thing. I wasn't, I wasn't sitting there going, this is fucking bullshit. Like it didn't take me out of the movie. It's just something I, I in the back of my I, I just kept going, I'm like, okay. Like and then and then Sean runs through them. None of them grab him. None of them. None of yeah, them. Yeah, we see we see David later get like iron grip and have his guts torn out. Yeah. It's it's minor things like that where I'm like it it's not like I'm not like eye rolling like, oh fuck, come on. Yeah. It's it, I was not a plot hole. Because, again, this movie is not about a zombie apocalypse. It's not about surviving a zombie apocalypse. It's not about zombies. This movie is just about Sean becoming a better person, and this zombie apocalypse is what gets him there. So it didn't take me out of the movie. I wasn't being like, this is fucking bullshit. It's just things that, as we were talking, that just kind of sprang back up in my mind. Did it ever occur to you that it's canon in this universe that zombies have excellent comedic timing? It is. It never occurred to me that. Okay, yeah, because it's not true. So that's a good thing that didn't occur to you. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, uh, I've i noticed all the same things basically on every watch of this movie that I have. Sean uh, making his way through the crowd of zombies without basically being touched. Yes. Yeah, has, has always kind of bothered me a little bit. I'm like, come on, he's not going to make it through. But the, we say these are little things, but really uh, it, it's important to take care of the little things as a director simply because... Uh, for every little rule that you break, uh, you're sort of taking away from the suspension of disbelief that you need from your audience. So I think breaking one or two of these little things here and there isn't really a, isn't really a big thing. But when they start to add up, that's when you start to lose the illusion of the of the movie as a whole. If that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. That was incredibly well articulated. Thank you. I, it's been known to happen from time to time. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, we should cut this episode short so I can go out on top looking like a genius. 
<laughs> um, the rest of the movie basically takes place in the Winchester. I I, I like the back third of this movie, uh, just solely taking place inside the bar, forcing these people to interact with each other, forcing them to find up with uh, to come up with solutions. They do kind of begin to panic. David begins to uh, spread panic and take over as leader, or at least attempt something of a coup. Um, this is where we really begin to see that David is uh, is a fucking asshole. Yep. Um, we talked a little about the Mexican standoff that happens here, mm-hmm. uh, and and how how fantastically acted it is. Uh, Simon Pegg actually showing that he that he has something to do uh, other than just being funny. Um, I don't really have a whole lot else. I don't think I have. Uh, when the zombies first start to break in. Uh, they they begin to tell Sean directions. They say like uh, at three o'clock, uh, six o'clock, and then they get increasingly complex. And pe- they're saying things like quarter to twelve, and he, he has to yell for them to keep it simple. That gets a chuckle out of me. Um, uh, scene in the cellar. Uh, any anything you wanted to say about the the cellar scene? Did that was that a standout for you at all? No. No. Not really. No. Uh. No, not really. I it, in what uh, here actually here here's here's my note on it, and I guess this is where we we kind of circle back to the friendship aspect. Is this is a scene where somebody's best friend is dying? He has been bitten several times by zombies. He is bleeding profusely. He looks like shit. He's on his way out, and sadly, I was like, good. <laughs> yeah i mean the thing is pete at the beginning of the movie was right ed's a fucking liability mm-hmm. he is and he's not a very good person yeah well so, ed's the reason that they all die yeah Basically, yeah he activated uh activated the pinball machine and drew the attention of the zombies yes and that, yeah. it, it's 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 actions like that that infuriate me because it's that kind of basically selfish thinking or unaware of the ramifications of your actions that just infuriate me to no end so it's it's well written because you the you know edgar and simon wrote this character that elicited an emotional response from me but on the same side i'm like who would ever be fucking friends with this person Mm -hmm. and because of his stupidity or lack of understanding of the way things are going he's led to their death his own death and everybody else's. Yeah, he's not really likable at all. It, it's okay to write a character into your movie who is flawed, I guess. But in order for someone to be flawed but good, we need to see the good. You know what I mean? And uh, we don't we don't really ever see that from from Ed. I almost called him Nick as well. You're contagious. <laughs> I know it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. So in in the scene in what is what would literally be pretty much the perfect scene set up to get me to cry like a little baby mm-hmm. is somebody losing their best friend probably the only other scene that could get me worse would be like somebody like a father losing his daughter that would be yeah, that that would. that would fuck me up uh this didn't elicit the emotional response it should from me and it, it kind of shows basically kind of what a shitty person that is I hate to keep bringing this movie up as yeah. a comparison, but since we've already talked about it, I just want to say if you think about uh, this cellar scene in Shaun of the Dead and then think about the analogous scene towards the end in Tag, 
a similar sort of tearjerker scene towards the end of that movie. The one in the hospital? Like, yeah. Oh! Yeah, like, that That movie, again, the way we're describing it, we're going to make it sound like a fucking Best Picture winner. It's really not that good. It's like a, it's like a solid comedy. It's pretty good. It is uh, It is solid. And it, it, yeah. it, only, it really only gets elevated, and I didn't mean to cut you off. It, yeah, it, sure. it really only gets elevated because of the friendship aspect of that film. Yeah. And, and the, the chemistry and the – I was going to say the acting because the acting's not that great. In fact, at times it's actually pretty bad. But <laughs> the chemistry between the main characters and the believability that these guys are lifelong friends and truly care about one another comes through in spades in that film. And that's one of the main reasons that that movie really hit home with me. Yeah, and I think I sort of wrote that off when you brought it up earlier as a comparison uh, because I said, oh, this movie isn't really about that. It's, it's about Sean, which is, which I still think is a valid response. It is. However, yep. however, this particular scene in the cellar absolutely could, uh, it suffers from having a lack of likability from really both of the friends, but in particular, Ed. I mm-hmm. mean, we've seen Sean go through this transformation and become a better person, but Ed has really just been a liability and a dirtbag and a piece of work the entire time. And I, I think you need, you just need something from him. You just need some glimmer of good. I guess he does kind of sacrifice himself towards the end, but I don't know. I felt like I need, I needed more from from him. Uh, and again, this should have been a tearjerker moment. And th- I think the reason that it isn't, and for me, as many times as I've watched this movie, it never really has been. I think it's just because their friendship isn't as fleshed out because it's only an hour and a half long movie and more time is spent on Sean himself rather than the relationship here. And it, it, this particular scene suffers because of it. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said. And there's, and the, not that there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that that's not the focus of this movie. This like, like we've said, it's right in the title. This movie's called Sean of the dead. It's about Sean. It's about his growth. It's about him becoming a better person. And frankly, Ed needed to die for him to become a better person. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's kind of weird to say, but it absolutely is true. He made the realization that his friend was holding him back, cut him out of his life, just in a very, very specific way, in a way that is specific to a zombie apocalypse. Yes. Um, Actually, one of the things I wanted to point out about The Cellar before we move on is just Liz kind of summarizes the movie uh, in, a, in almost an innocuous way, in a way that it's just kind of blink, you'll miss it. Uh, Sean's distraught that he's failed. The zombies are going to get them. They have no way out. They're trapped. And Liz says to Sean, as as he's lamenting the fact that he told him to go to the Winchester and that his plan failed, she says, you know what? At least you did something. And that's what counts. That's sort of just what the movie's about for me. It doesn't matter. Even if they got eaten in this basement, the theme of the movie and the point of the movie really would have been the same. It's just that Sean got off his ass and did something and became a leader. And he almost failed and fa- as a matter of fact he should have failed the ending of this movie i don't know if you'll agree is a little bit of a deus ex machina with the army showing up uh but at least he did something mm-hmm. that's what counts that's what the movie's about for me well i don't it, it is a little deus machina but but the one thing is that when liz and him come out from the basement in that little elevator or whatever it is um because it, as it lifts them up uh according to the rules they could have just made a run for it and none of the zombies grab Sean, so they, they should have been just fine. And this is why 
breaking those little rules will come back to bite you. Sometimes you lose that suspension of disbelief, but no, obviously, obviously not a not a huge issue. I hope no. for you. No, um, no, I'm just being, I'm <laughs> I'm just joking around. You're um, being a dick. I am the 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 arrival of the the military. It actually didn't bother me because they. The only thing that it wasn't a bother, but maybe I missed it. But when they in the scene where Martin Freeman is that girl who I have no idea who she is that that Simon's friends with that brought yeah, that's never that's never really explicitly said her name's Yvonne, but I think she's just an old friend of uh, of Sean and Liz's. Yeah, um, I don't know if she says something when they bump into one another that she's going somewhere where the military is, like in that scene where the two groups run into one another. Yeah, now I can't remember, actually, because, again, I'm just staring at fucking Martin Freeman's face the entire time. During yeah, that scene. so if they set it up there, then it's not going to bother me. But uh, other than that, it, it really didn't bother me all that much. We've seen it numerous times where the heroes are almost done and, and like, the military or, or the, basically the cavalry arrives just in time. And it's a trope that is played often. It's hasn't really bothered me that much as long as it's set up and in my mind in my mind i have nothing to back it up but in that scene where the two groups meet i feel she mentions something that she's going somewhere along those lines it's funny as many times as i've seen this movie i can't actually say for sure i think you're correct my instinct is that you're correct yeah but whatever like even if they don't uh, in my mind they did so mm-hmm. that ending doesn't bother me. It's actually never bothered me. Yeah. Un- unlike that fucking car in Chamber of the Secrets. <laughs> We're done with Harry Potter, man. We already talked about it. Oh, right. Good. Good. It's over. The The bad franchise can't hurt you anymore. I think it came back to me because we're back in the UK. Yeah, that's probably all the accents are giving you PTSD. Yeah. I, I escaped out to California, to Santa Clara for one week, and now I'm yeah. back. I'm, now I'm back in the UK. And then we're going to the deep south of America next week, right? I think Arizona, if I'm not mistaken. Arizona? Yeah. yeah. I think I think that's – I mean, you would know better than I. Yeah. Pretty sure it's Arizona. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I'm just realizing that the only scene that I really want to talk about is uh, is one that was right at the very beginning that we didn't talk about. The opening scene of this movie in the Winchester okay. is, is one that I really like. I, I love the conversations there. I think uh, the comedy of this scene works really well uh, for me personally. The fact that they're talking about uh, David and Diane as they're sitting right there. And again, the MVP of the scene is the camera work, the direction, because mm-hmm. uh, the re- slow reveal of information of uh, the camera pans over to Ed when he's mentioned for the first time, pans over to David and Diane uh, for the first time when they're mentioned. Uh, I don't know. This opening scene has always done it for me. Not to mention the fact that I will still use the word exacerbate in every <laughs> possible context simply because of its inclusion in this movie. And again, that's another example of the setup and callback is the uh, the reusing of the word exacerbate uh, several times during this movie. That's That's got to be one of my favorite jokes in this movie. I don't know I don't know if you liked it as much as I did, but um, when she says, well, we don't want to exacerbate things, and when Sean asks what you mean, she explains sort of their relationship status, and he says, no, 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 what does exacerbate mean? <laughs> she says, to make things worse. Yes. So, I, I like that moment good that's 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 my notes manny that's all that i got all right i got i got nothing else cool uh all right you want some trivia yeah i would love some trivia okay george a romero creator of the movies to which this movie pays homage and lampoons was so impressed with simon Pegg and edgar wright's work that he asked them to cameo in land of the dead as zombies 
a movie that I unfortunately have seen, believe it or not. I've heard uh, it's not good. No, it's not. I remember I was I was 11. I've talked about uh, one of my best friends when I was younger, a guy named Ian. Hi, Ian, if you're listening. He was who I watched this movie with for the first time when I was far too young to have watched it. Mm-hmm. And then he invited me over for a zombie movie night uh, a few years later. And uh, Land of the Dead was on the watch list that night. And I remember even being like 11 years old saying... This movie kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was one of my favorite little anecdotes I found uh, about it. It's a, it's if I could, if I could actually use this as my favorite quote, I would, but I can't. Sure. Um, when asked by an interview why they chose to have slow-moving zombies instead of running zombies, Simon Pegg simply replied, "Because death is not an energy drink." I do love that. By the way, I think that was. If I recall, that was in one of the DVD commentaries. Do you watch a lot of DVD commentary? Yes. Yeah, I I don't. I really should start because I have Shaun of the Dead on Blu-ray and I have for a long time. And it has several commentaries in it that I've never watched. They are phenomenal. Sam, if I... I should really get going on that. Sam, if I could recommend one commentary for you. One commentary for you. I don't know. I'm pretty sure... I bet you could probably find it on YouTube or something like that. But it's... Ben Affleck's commentary on Armageddon. It is the stuff of legend. Legend, my friend. I'll I look into it. I honestly can't recommend it enough. You will if you enjoy Armageddon in the least, his commentary only makes it infinitely better. Is he does he sound um happy? Does he sound reluctant? I'm he, I'm very he, curious. He's he comes at it the same way that all of us come at it he's like i know this movie's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> and he's in it and what i wish i'm i'm paraphrasing okay but part one of the stories he tells is that he kept bugging michael bay he's like why why would nasa send drill people up to space instead of it's and michael bay finally had enough and he's like shut the fuck up like and but ben affleck tells the whole story it is. Oh, that's really funny. Yes, it's so. He's really great. He's really great. Yeah. Uh, one commentary track that I did listen to for this movie just briefly, as I was scrolling through them, lamenting the fact that I didn't have time to watch any of them before we recorded, uh, there was one uh, commentary by the zombies, and I just it just said commentary with zombies, and I said, what the fuck? I turned it on, and the entire commentary track is just. Uh... <laughs> You haven't seen Galaxy Quest, have you? I haven't, no. Again, another one that I own. Okay. I have not seen. Galaxy Quest has a commentary track. There's an alien species in there, and they have this language that is basically high-pitched screaming, and they have a commentary track as well. And I checked it. I would fast-forward scenes to see if they were still doing it through the whole fucking thing. Is it looped? Or did they have some guy screaming for like two hours? I don't, you know what's funny? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check after we're done our episode. Yeah, maybe. It reminds me of that story about another one of my favorite movies, Superbad. You know the opening credits of that movie uh, with them, the silhouettes dancing? Yeah, great opening yeah. credits, by the way, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite opening credits. I love that song, Too Hot to Stop by the Barquets. Fantastic. Um, Music nerd. Yep. Uh, what I was going to say is that those opening credits are actually like an hour long. They just danced in front of the camera for like an hour, and they just clipped it when they got what they wanted, but they... They, they danced for, like, a long fucking time. Wicked. That. And apparently the, I think the title screen of the DVD, I can't actually remember this for sure, but I think it's true. I think the title screen 
you know how like when you're watching a dvd title screen it'll like loop back after like 30 seconds 60 mm -hmm. seconds i think the title screen is like an hour long of them dancing oh if, shit if my memory is correct i'm gonna have to double check my facts on this but i think that's right i wonder if i own super bad i might check that one out too yeah uh oh all right next one <clears throat> uh simon Pegg and edgar wright considered a sequel that would replace zombies with another monster but decided against it as they were pleased with this movie as a standalone product and thought too many characters died to continue the story. The proposed title? From Dusk Till Sean. Which, just a perfect title. I think we can agree an A-grade title. Yes. Really, really top-notch. Uh, smart to not make the sequel. Yes. If, if they'd had more people survive, I actually probably would have been on board for it. But uh, I, I like the idea of just switching genre entirely. Instead of going from one monster to another, just switching genre right over to the buddy cop genre yep, yep. Uh, with Hot Fuzz. I like that better. Totally. Uh, Nick Frost allegedly kept his genitals shaved throughout the production to create a genuine need to scratch that the character demanded. <laughs> he does scratch his balls a lot in this movie, doesn't he? Yeah, and I guess he yeah. shaved them for real so they would be itchy. Commitment. Uh... When Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg began pitching this movie, Film 4 production showed interest in it. Then, Film 4 significantly cut back its budget, leaving the movie without a production company for a while. Because Wright was still hoping to get this movie made, he held off on taking other directing jobs while searching for new financing for this movie, and ended up having to borrow money from his friends. For me to take on a television job meant that I was like pushing the film back, so I was going rapidly broke. I was like majorly in the red. Unquote. According to Wright, Peg still hasn't allowed him to pay back the money he owes him from those lean times. Damn, I, I did not realize the production of this movie was so tumultuous. Yes. Um, when Sean and the group are running out of Liz's flat, they are all carrying weapons of some kind, but only Sean actually hits any zombies. This was because only the cricket bat that Sean was carrying was a padded fake. All of the other items were real and would have hurt the extras playing zombies if they'd been hit with them. Come on, add some authenticity. Hit somebody with a shovel. And this one, <laughs> I, I, I had to put in, but you will love. In March 2011, this movie was voted by BBC Radio 1 and BBC Radio 1 Extra listeners as their second favorite movie of all time. BBC... Uh, so something super British? No. Oh, I... You, I, you do, I'm, I'm, well, I'm almost certain that you love this movie. Okay. This movie, oh, I'm trying to think of what clue I could give you without giving it away. Hmm. Okay, I, I, my, I, my, I, guess, I, my, my guess, if you had said, if you had not said that it wasn't British, would have been, uh, the Holy Grail. No, oh, if I hadn't said it wasn't British, no. Yeah, no. exactly. This movie is widely considered... A, cla a classic, a widely considered uh, one of the greatest movies of all time, overlooked in its time, and is number one on IMDb and number two on mine. Oh, uh, Shawshank? Yep. No. Yep. Shawshank? Yeah. Okay. Shawshank. Totally. If this is second place to Shawshank, then it's second place to Shawshank. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am okay with that. Yep. Um, 
a couple casting things. Many of the zombie extras are fan of Spaced, the TV show that they all work on, uh, which also starred Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and directed by Edgar Wright. They were recruited for the Spaced Out fan website. And all of the newsreaders and television presenters are real people, real people presenting themselves, portraying themselves. Blech. Oh, my God. Manny, this is an early episode. We can't even blame it on being late this time. I know. That's all I got. That's all the trivia? That's it. Man, that was quick. That was, that was so short. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what the hell? Step it up for my movie choice. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, favorite quote? I only have two. Okay, go for it. Uh, first one is uh, when Ed sees a zombified Pete. He goes, hey, Sean, look who it is. And Sean goes, fuck a doodle do. Which, again, is another callback. Uh, we get fuck a doodle do at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I love that. And the aforementioned one between Pete and Sean. Uh, all right, I admit he can be pretty funny on occasion. Last time we stayed up all night drinking apple schnapps and playing Tekken 2. <laughs> oh, yeah, when was that? That was five years ago. When's he going home? So what I'm gathering is that you wanted more Pete in this movie. Yes, I liked Pete. <laughs> I did like Pete. Yeah, Pete's a good character. Uh, I am surprised at myself because I only have three. I'm sure I could have picked more than this, but uh, don't worry, a few of them are long. <laughs> uh, uh, I think a couple of them I've already said. Two of the three I've already said. Uh, you want to hang out with Diane and David, a failed actress and a twat? Your words. And Sean says, hey, I never called Diane a failed actress. <laughs> um, and then another one is Ed's monologue about what they should do. You know what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. We'll have a Bloody Mary first thing, have a bite at the king's head, a couple at the little princess, we'll stagger back here, bang, we're back at the bar for shots. I just love the writing of that and, and the delivery of it. Uh, and the last one is actually uh, our good friend Pete. as uh, when he uh, crashes their little uh, DJ session. And he says, it's four in the fucking morning. And Sean says, no, it, it's Saturday. <laughs> and Pete says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do this without laughing. No, it's not. It's fucking Sunday, and I've got to go to fucking work in four fucking hours because every other fucker in my fucking department is fucking ill. Now, can you see why I'm so fucking angry? <laughs> Can't believe we didn't talk about that scene. I love that one. That is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Great Pete moment. Manny, what's your favorite quote? Uh, mine is, that was five years ago. When's he going home? And it's yep. all from Pete's delivery. It's, yeah. it's perfect delivery because he sets it up like he's on Sean's side and then fucking cuts out his legs. Uh, mine is going to be the, uh, the monologue from, uh, Nick Frost about them, uh, uh, continuing drinking. I just, I, I love, uh, how, how, what, a, what a fun little Easter egg that is. And it's a well-delivered line. Fair enough. Uh, favorite scene. I've got three. Go for it. Uh, one is the record throwing scene. Okay. Uh, number two is actually David blowing up about Sean. Mm, okay. When, uh, when Sean has left them. Yeah. Okay, yep, I like that one. And Barbara's death. Okay, all good picks. Barbara's death slash the Mexican standoff. Okay. Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I could not really control myself on this because I love this movie. <laughs> what a shocker. Yeah, there's like seven scenes in this movie. Uh, I love the opening scene in the Winchester. It's one of my uh, favorite for uh, purely for comedy. Yeah. Um, and just for exposition. Uh, you know I, I hate me some clunky exposition, so I, I like that it, it's done nicely. Uh, them planning the rescue is one that we didn't talk about, uh, how they're going to go to... Uh, they're going to go oh, yes. kill Philip, rescue Liz, and go to the Winchester, have a pint, and wait for this whole thing to blow over. Oh, that is a good scene. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I like the one that I just quoted, the it's four in the fucking morning rant from Pete. Um, I love the one or two and from the shop. 
post-apocalypse when uh, when Simon Pegg is too hungover to notice that the zombie apocalypse has begun. Uh, the farewell scene between Philip and Sean in the car is a, is a good one for me. Uh, Queen, uh, don't stop me now as they're beating the, uh, the bartender senseless. And then, uh, the one that you just said and finished yours off with the Mexican standoff after Barbara's death. Is really good. One little comedic moment in the one or after the zombie apocalypse when he's too hungover to understand, to know what's going on. A little yep. comedic emblem I love is when he lightly slips on the blood on the floor. That little, yeah. that little squeak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, that's a that's a great moment. I, I I'm glad you caught that. Yes, big fan. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about that scene though is he picks up a coke and puts it back and grabs a diet one. Fuck that guy. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. That's basically why I don't like this movie. Yeah, that that took it from like a four to a two. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, Manny, what's your favorite scene? Uh, Barbara's death, the Mexican standoff. Yeah, me too. I got the same one. That's uh, a clear standout in my opinion, especially from an acting perspective. Awesome. All right, closing credits. Are there any Oscar-worthy performances in this film? Uh, I think if you were to make a case for anyone, it would be Simon Pegg, but even that would probably be a stretch. I I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Any other aspects of this film that are are award-worthy? So it did get zero nominations, as we talked about. Uh, I love a lot of the technical elements of this. I think the screenplay is very, very smart. Um, I I guess I could argue for that. I, I don't know off the top of my head what else was nominated in 2004. <laughs> Strong year for Manny's reaction. Ouch. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the screenplay I could see getting a nomination, but these are the ones it was up against. Are you ready? Yeah. The Aviator. Okay. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, that's not getting dropped. Hotel Rwanda. Haven't seen. The Incredibles and Vera Drake. That that's original screenplay because this is obviously not adapted off anything. Yeah, correct. Uh, of the ones that I've seen, I can't. I don't think I can squeeze this ahead of any of them. No, especially the winner, <laughs> which was uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not. That's not losing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other. The other thing I could possibly give it for is editing. Yeah, that was the, that was the only other one I had on my mind. Um, but I don't he, think that I don't. As much as I like the uh, the visual comedy that Edgar Wright puts in his movie, I don't think cinematography is justifiable. That would be a major homer pick if I was to insert that in there. So I think I think the nomination worthy ones are probably screenplay and editing. But given the strength of the year, uh, maybe not. Yeah, it's uh, the the editing's pretty strong in here too. With the Aviator, Collateral, Finding Neverland, Million Dollar Baby, and Ray. That's fuck. I love. I love Collateral. I me too. Fucking love that movie. <laughs> we got to do an episode on Collateral. <laughs> yeah, I have an ongoing list of movies here. Collateral, <laughs> I think. I, well, I have like seven different pieces of paper around here that have randomly <laughs> scribble on them. I really need to create a master list, but yeah, I think Collateral is on like five pieces of paper around my desk right now. Awesome. Uh, who or what is the weak link of the film? Um, Ed. Mm, yes. So not not even necessarily Nick Frost. No, not. I think Nick, Nick Frost elicits the reaction he's supposed to. He, he's a piece of shit and he plays him well. Uh, but Ed is a character uh, not always super funny and not always super likable. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I actually was going to think it was going to be hard for me to think of one, uh, but that, that is an excellent selection. Uh, is this anybody's career highlight? Uh, I think everyone that matters in this movie basically went on to do bigger and better things. 
Um, I mean, this is the first movie, as I said, in a trilogy that folk that uh, stars a lot of the same people. So I don't really know. I don't know. This this trilogy arguably is Simon Pegg's highlight, but then he went went on to be in Star Trek and uh, and a variety of other uh, successful movies. What, like, what are you looking at me for? Like Mission Impossible. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like Mission Impossible, which I, you know that I haven't seen. So I do. That's not the first one I thought of. But yes, uh, yeah, a variety of other successful franchises. I was looking so. at. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. I was looking yeah. at Kate Ashfield, uh, who plays Liz. Uh, I'm not seeing much else on here where. As someone from North America, I could see anything on here where sh- this wouldn't be her career highlight. But I was, uh, I was she, looking. She, she's got a lot of credits, but there are a lot of TV work. So for all I know, those are massive hits over in the UK, and those would have been her career highlight. But, yeah, I'm, but I have no idea. So yeah, for the one thing that I've seen her in. Uh, this is probably her career highlight. I'm quickly trying to find one thing that I did see. I saw something on her page earlier. I just want to confirm that I'm correct. Uh, yeah, she was in a little TV series in 2015 called Secrets and Lies. Ew, gross! <laughs> Which I am uh, assuming is uh, roughly based on the no. awful Best Picture nominee that we watched. No, it's actually it's it's not a BBC show. It, it's an ABC show. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's got Ryan Philippe and Juliette Lewis. Yeah, no. Oh, so it's probably actually good. Yeah. Okay. So, well, uh, snide comment withdrawn. Uh, no, probably not that good. Ran for twenty episodes. Yeah, not that great. Well, that's what it gets for naming itself after that shit fucking tomb. But yeah, no, not, and the, trust me, it's it's not it's not based off that movie at all. It's uh, each series a detective focuses on a prime suspect in a murder case, but everyone has something to hide. Ooh, yeah mysterious so yeah i i don't see anything so this possibly could be her career highlight most likely uh other than that yeah i i think everyone else has gone on to much more success that will probably be considered the highlight but this is for north american audiences this is what thrust simon Pegg and edgar wright into their consciousness and Nick Frost is also there. Yes. Um, MVP of the film. Uh, close call between Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, but I'm going to go Edgar Wright. Uh, it's his clear vision. I know that he co-wrote it with Simon Pegg, but his direction and his uh, his writing style both uh, both just make this movie super enjoyable for me. Yeah, I, I would go a, a slight win for Edgar Wright. We're talking photo yep. finish. Yep, uh, runner-up to Simon Pegg. Yes. Uh, what will be this film's legacy? Uh, I think it's what you said, thrusting Simon Pegg and uh, Edgar Wright into the North American conscious. Um, yeah, do you, have, do you have a better answer than that? No, I think it's the same thing. I, I think this is going to be known as a... This is going to be known as a brilliant lampoon and parody of the zombie genre. And the movie that everyone's going to look back on as introducing the world, a.k.a. North American audiences, to Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Yep. Uh, would you watch this movie again? Damn right. I don't think I would. Not of my own volition. It hurts, but I respect your honesty. Yes. Would you recommend this movie to friends? 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're fans of uh, Edgar Wright or a fan of the horror genre or zombie movies. Uh, I, I think there's something in this for a lot of different people. I agree. I would definitely recommend this movie to friends, despite my... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? As much as Not I... Yeah, I did like I didn't love this movie, but I know people I know that a lot of a lot of people I know would really love it, so I would I would totally recommend this movie to friends. Mm-hmm. Uh final thoughts. Do you want me to go first and you can wrap it up? Sure. All right. I was excited to rewatch this movie. I hadn't seen it in quite some time. Sadly, it didn't quite live up to what I was hoping it was going to be. Uh it's a, a movie that I was in, I was enjoying, but I wasn't falling in love with. I was entertained, but not thrilled. It was right down the middle of the line. I was. It was the kind of movie where I, I definitely wasn't like looking at my phone. I wasn't wondering how much longer to go. It was a perfectly fine movie that entertained me, but it didn't elicit any huge emotional response on any side i wasn't there was no sadly and a couple emotional moments that should have definitely gotten to me didn't get to me and there was no like knee slapping out loud laughing scenes for me sadly and i was really hoping there would be but this movie was pretty much exactly everything that i remembered the one thing I did enjoy about watching this movie is seeing the progression of Edgar Wright as a filmmaker and seeing him test out some of the things that he would perfect later on, especially in Scott Pilgrim and even more so in Baby Driver. So I had fun, but I can't see myself watching this again anytime soon. In conclusion, go see Tag. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, for me, Shaun of the Dead is one that I have seen probably dozens of times in my life. Uh, It's a comedy that I've always uh, gotten a good laugh at. I've referenced this movie with my friends and recited it. Uh, Like I said, I still use the word exacerbate rather sarcastically a number of times. And if any of my friends uses the word exacerbate, I'll ask them what it means every time, even though I know what it means. Uh, It's one that uh, I'm glad that I did get to see even though I was too young to see it uh, because it just kind of, it shaped my taste uh, for movies in a lot of different ways. I'm surprised that I didn't become a massive fan of the horror genre after this. Uh, but I, I, I like a lot about this movie. It introduced me to Edgar Wright before I even knew who he was or what filmmaking was. Uh, he's one of my current favorites and I'm so happy that a movie that is, as we said, not actually his first, but essentially his first, uh, I'm so happy that this movie holds up for me. I can understand that it uh, it may miss some people, especially those who didn't grow up with it, but I'll, I'll always love this movie. It's still one of my favorites of all time and uh, gets a laugh out of me and has some touching moments as well, even if it does objectively have a couple of flaws in it. Perfect. Um, Sam, your ratings... Reminding people that uh, our ratings are not the objective quality of the movie, <laughs> but the uh, but how much we liked it, because it is the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. We're the ones who matter, not the critics. Uh, reminding people of that, uh, this is a five for me. Uh, it's, uh, it does have issues. I, I won't gloss over that, but, uh, but I've always loved this movie, and I always will. 
this movie is barely a three. Barely a three? Yeah, and the only reason that I had a hard time picking between it is I was using the idea of rewatchability. I didn't hate this movie, but would I ever watch it again? And that's kind of where I, I – it's one of the criteria I use between determining if something's a two or a three. So I didn't hate this movie, but I doubt I'm ever going to watch it again anytime soon. So does that make it a two? But if I give this movie a two, I feel like I'm undercutting kind of how good it is. And that's why I really stress that while I would probably never watch this movie again, I would fully recommend this to other people. So I'm going to definitely give it a three because I can't give it a failing grade because it's not a bad film. But I... Oh, that was a close shave. Yeah. I, and at, at no point am I saying that I wish we gave half points because even then I wouldn't give it a two and a half because I don't... I, I feel... I, I feel that I use the rating system as a way of recommending things except on the high end because like you like you just said giving something a five doesn't mean it's a perfect film it's just one that I enjoyed enough that I'm gonna watch this over and over and over and over and over again so for you it's a five knowing full well it's not a perfect movie right we're not we're not giving something a five out of five because it's a perfect we're giving a movie a five out of five because we perfectly enjoyed it I don't think anyone wants to listen to this podcast and just listen to us give fives to Casablanca and Citizen Kane and and you know all, all the old classic Alfred Hitchcock movies and then give fours to everything else. That's not really what what this podcast is, in my opinion. It's about us and our thoughts. And uh, for me, it's a five. For you, it's a three. And I'm perfectly happy with those scores. Yeah, I I just wanted to say that like I, it was something I was actually wrestling with. But then I I there's I would feel completely cheating this movie if I gave it a two because it's not. To me, if I if I give something a two, I I feel like I didn't like it, and I'm hopefully never gonna watch it again. And I, 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 I and I'm not hopeful I never watch this again. I just don't have any desire to watch it again. I may have uh, been a little upset if you gave it a two, not with you, <laughs> just with uh, just with life. <laughs> I would have just been uh, I would have been disappointed supremely well yeah. I, I did I'm not gonna lie I did have hopes that this would make it to a four uh, before we started recording tonight uh, but obviously yeah I think uh, given what you said I think a three is perfectly reasonable yeah I, I will also just say that it is we, we agree a lot on this podcast mm-hmm. and it's a very very rare thing for us to have a two star gap between our ratings and it's happened two weeks in a row now I know last week of Lost Boys you gave it a four I gave it a two uh, so that is that is a rarity. If you if this had been a three star gap, if uh, if I gave it a five and you gave it a two, I think that would have been the first time ever on the podcast. I agree. Uh, I don't think we've ever been that far apart. No, no. Uh, okay, Sam, what's going on next week? All right, Manny. Next week I'm gonna shit on something you love. No, okay. Just... <laughs> you did that last week, fucker. Yeah. Uh, next week, uh, well, this week we talked about my favorite horror movie, which is Shaun of the Dead. Next week, uh, Manny gets to show me his, and uh, we'll see how much I like that. It is uh, episode 125, Tremors, coming up next week. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, I'm looking excited for. I'm looking excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Holy crap! Not even that late. We have had podcasts until like <laughs> one in the morning. I know. <laughs> Sad. Maybe that's why. Maybe. Uh, I'm like I'm I'm trying to stretch out this episode, but whatever. <laughs> 
Yeah, this is this is a uh, this is a bite-sized one for us. It really is. Yeah, we, uh, we really have talked more than we ought to have. A couple of tangents here and there, but def yeah. definitely. Okay. Risk. Um, so please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it will increase the profile of our podcast, allow more people to find us. And if you're ever talking about uh, podcasts or what you've been listening to with your friends, please mention us. Allow more people to find us. We would love to grow our audience, and we're hoping that you guys can help us do that. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're just finding us on Spotify and your preferred podcast provider does not have the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast, shoot me a message on the aforementioned social media and I will take care of that. So, for the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Fuck a doodle do. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios!